0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: 2016 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I am your host here, Amy Peikoff, and today I have, as the title of the show, which was about all I could come up with for this week, At Least the World Hasn't Ended Yet, and then I put paren as Al Gore predicted it would, because apparently, according to Al Gore, the world was supposed to have ended a few days ago. Um, and I was, you know, when I was first getting up this morning and I was looking at the news and, and thinking about what we've got this week, we have a horrible Islamic terrorist atrocity in Belgium. And. Um, we have watched our president this week pandering to and partying with a vicious dictator. Um, and also, as we will see today, he has been basically saying that there's no real moral distinction between capitalism and communism. That was a real peach from today. Uh, and then I've kind of watched the whole news cycle this morning, but at the when I first woke up this morning... I saw that we were being presented with a story, an allegation, that Ted Cruz, who I think is the one candidate who might be able to save us from the so-called Hobson's choice of Trump versus Hillary, that maybe he was involved in a horrible sex scandal or actually had five different affairs or whatever, and therefore is not at all who we thought he was. Um, As I understand it, though, all of this is probably false and a total smear trumped up by the Trump campaign. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at some of the stuff about that as well. But that was what I woke up to this morning. And in addition, there are a couple other horrific stories. Uh, one that Rob Abiera shared with me, thank you, that Indiana is prohibiting abortion if this law is upheld. The governor signed in the law a law that prohibits abortion if you have done genetic testing and have determined that the fetus suffers from a genetic abnormality like Down syndrome. In that case, you would be prohibited from having an abortion. There are many women like myself who would say that that is precisely the situation in which you would want to have an abortion, right? You're being responsible. You're getting pregnant only if you're interested in having a child. But you wouldn't want to have a child if the child has a severe genetic abnormality, That makes it so that the child would never be able to live a quality human life but that is precisely the sort of situation which Indiana is saying no so you can abort I guess only if you got pregnant irresponsibly and you just don't want a child at all but if you want a child but you want to know first whether the child is going to be able to live a normal and healthy life and you get your genetic testing done and you're responsible then you're going to be punished by the state of Indiana. That's horrific. And then finally, there is this horrible story in which a young foster child, Lexi, only six years old, who had lived with her foster parents for four years, which means this is the only family she's ever known or can remember. She was ripped out from the custody of that family this week because of some horrific piece of law called the Indian Child Welfare Act. So we're going to talk about that as well. If you go to don'tletitgo.com, don'tletitgo.com, you will see all the program notes that I have scheduled for today's show. I see a number of the usual live listeners here in the Blog Talk Radio chat room. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Tim started out with lay it on me, sister. So um, definitely going to be laying a lot of stuff on you here today. I see John, both John Kenny and John Roberts. Just Jean. Hi, Jean. It was good to see you this week. And uh, Redmond MTB is there. Matt, Mo, Herman the German. I don't know if I've missed anybody. Robert, Robert Nassir. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming in and hanging out live today. If you want to call in and talk about any of those stories that you see on the list at DontLetItGo.com, you can call in at 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760 760- 888 Eight 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 five eight one seven. It has been a busy morning putting together that list for you. Uh, by the way, if you do want the latest information on the Brussels jihad attack and any of the developments coming out of that, I would suggest going to Robert Spencer's Jihad Watch. I've got a couple links over at the you know at, at but if you want to keep up, up on the latest. Spencer is very responsible about not posting news unless it's been substantiated, unlike the National Enquirer, as we'll see. So if you do want some hard news on that and a lot of the developments, he is excellent. Um, At the top of the program notes today, I have, as I said, the story that was the inspiration for the title today. And... Unfortunately, it's a story written by someone over at the Washington Times who may not be a good guy. This is Drew Johnson. For people who are following all the ins and outs of the Cruz versus Trump thing this morning, Drew was someone who tweeted out that based on his personal knowledge, he could confirm two of the affairs alleged in the National Enquirer story. As far as I know, he has not put forth any evidence. I sent a tweet out there basically challenging him, saying let's put some evidence forth because now we've got a denial of this story by two of the women who allegedly were involved and, of course, by Cruz himself. And we'll talk about that. But anyway, so now I've given you a link to this story. But it, it happened to be the story that was the inspiration. The world was supposed to end last month, apparently, it says at least according to Al Gore. Um Actually, it wasn't, God, it wasn't a few days ago. It was last month, so Friday, March 4th. He said a few days ago as of March 4th. So I'm sorry, it was last month the world was supposed to end. In an Inconvenient Truth, the 2006 Global Warming Hysteria documentary, he warned that without taking major steps to cut greenhouse gases within the next decade, the world will reach a point of no return. Well, the decade has come and gone, and we are all still here. And for me, that was one of the main things, that I could say that was good uh, about this week so far. Uh, I guess that Drew had tweeted that out this morning, maybe because he knew he was going to get a lot of attention on his feed due to the links from this scandal. And so then he wanted everybody to go check out his article, and sure enough I did, and it inspired this. But yeah, at least the world hasn't ended. Al Gore predicted it would. We are all still here, and we can all still fight for a better world, which is what we're all trying to do here at Don't Let It Go. Uh, Herman the German in the chat room points out there's more Arctic ice than ever. Um, Matt in the chat room says, even if there are these affairs, he says, so what? I'm not electing husband of the year. We're electing a president. There is something to be said about that. But we have this idea that Ted Cruz is a wholesome religious family man. And, you know, this idea that somehow he's involved in five different affairs is a bit disconcerting for me. Um, you know, sometimes people are not what you thought they were going to be. But I would be pretty disappointed to hear if this is true of Ted Cruz. I mean, right now, the, this is such a crazy race that we have on the one side a candidate, Ted Cruz, for whom affairs would be a horrible scandal, On the other side, we have Donald Trump, who has bragged about having affairs with married women in his book. He has bragged about, I guess, I think he said banging even. Yeah, Matt in the chat room says, Trump has had several affairs. Um, Yeah. Um, I mean, this guy, he's bragging, and then Cruz is supposed to, what, give up? Give up the race? Not because... Someone alleges arbitrarily, as far as we know, that there were five different affairs. As I understand it, the National Enquirer story has on the record only one source, and that source is a high-ranking, if not the prime, political advisor for Trump. So this is not somebody that we should think is unbiased. We know that Trump has resorted to certain things in the past, so in, in any event, um, how did I get onto this? I got on this because I was telling you about this this guy, uh, Kevin. But yeah, as I said, that Al Gore story was the inspiration, but here we are on the hard news. As many of us either saw late Monday or woke up to on Tuesday, there was a horrible Islamic jihadist attack in Brussels this week. As I uh, gather, there's at least 34 dead as of this counting, um, as of the current count. And New York Times is, you know, spinning out a number of stories in the aftermath. The latest I put on the list of program notes, Brussels attack lapses acknowledged by Belgian officials. And so this is when where they say, you know, they were warned that this one person might be dangerous, and yet that they didn't round him up. And, um, you know, what police could have done on the ground In order to make people safer. Uh, The biggest problem of course is that all around the world people have continued to refuse to acknowledge the connection between Islam and the terrorism that is claiming the lives of so many people in country after country now around the world. Um, People are refusing to criticize That religion because of the contribution that it makes to this and again to be very careful and I always have in this past I've had a continuously consistent position on this issue on this show for the years that I've done it and it is that I am NOT anti Muslim there are many Muslims who do not take their religion seriously just as there are many Christians who do not take their religion seriously in a fundamental way and therefore say you know, that, uh, you know, turn the other cheek and, you know, you must sacrifice for your neighbor and, you know, love your neighbor as yourself and all this. People do not take that seriously. Similarly, there are plenty of people, the majority of Muslims, don't take the calls to jihad in the Quran seriously. Nonetheless, those calls are there. And those calls are what are inspiring our enemy. And this needs to be acknowledged. The connection between this religion and our enemies needs to be acknowledged by our leaders in order to properly target it with the moral righteousness that needs to happen. Uh, one of the stories that I linked to today, put out there no doubt by our Obama administration because they want to be looking, you know, look like they're doing something about it. New York Times story: A top ISIS leader killed in Syria, they say, according to the Pentagon. From what I understand, sometimes. There's big headlines announcing something like this. And then weeks later, this top ISIS leader who supposedly was killed happens to turn up someplace else, and they say, oops, we were wrong. We thought he was killed. So is this really true or not? Uh, this is you know, the actual subhead to the, the photograph of the Secretary of Defense. It says it confirmed that United States operations likely killed some high-ranking officials in the Islamic State, They say, quote, we are systematically eliminating ISIL's cabinet. Of course, they don't even call it ISIS. They only call it ISIL. This is all part of the problem as Ted Cruz, again, who I hope is going to continue to be the person we think he is and continue to be our hope for having a president who can do something about this. Um, But, you know, he's been pointing out the fact that our administration, a lot of our media, they refuse to acknowledge who the enemy is, and they refuse to take the steps necessary to eliminate the risk from this enemy. Uh, Political correctness prevents us from doing the profiling necessary to keep jihadists out of our Western countries. We allow people in who call themselves refugees, and we don't give them proper screening and what happens, ISIS is out there saying that I think there's a, what at least 500 people throughout Europe ready to commit these attacks. I've seen story after story now talking about the fact that in France and in Belgium, they are rounding up a number of these people who might be you know, being referred to by ISIS in this. But the chances of them catching all of them, probably not very good. The police can do only so much. We need to fight a proper war. If we're going to fight a proper war, we have to identify the enemy properly, and that just has not happened. Um, You know, Robert Spencer reports over at Jihad Watch, Turkey uh, deported a Brussels jihad mass murderer in 2015. Belgium ignored the warning that he was a jihadi, went ahead and let him in. Um, Another story that I even put on uh, the list of program notes, but one that should infuriate everybody as well. The Iranian government, who we have been in the business of appeasing with the nuclear deal, the nuclear deal that's going to funnel money into more jihad attacks, right? The Iranian government has now been indicted for hacking the New York Dam and dozens of U.S. banks as well. But is anyone going to talk about that? No. They're all going to talk about this baseless Ted Cruz scandal. There's a new video put out by the Islamic State Holy war against infidels is an integral part of Islam, end quote, from the Islamic State. Um, Let me go ahead and and get more of this, um, because Robert Spencer has some quotes from it here. Quote, every Muslim who is well aware of the history of Islam knows that the holy war against infidels is an integral part of Islam, and those who read history would know, end quote. Somehow the Islamic State has gotten the crazy idea that what they do has something to do with Islam. How could they have gotten such a crazy notion? This is Spencer's sarcasm. He's been doing this for years, and I think he's pretty sick of having to tell people the truth and them not listening. He says, I trust that the president is on his way to Raqqa now to explain to the caliph how he has, quote, perverted a great religion. This is a Reuters story that Spencer is quoting from. Islamic State video calls for jihad after Brussels Blast from the Reuters story, Islamic State released a video on social media on Thursday calling on its followers to claim victory and wage jihad after deadly blasts in Brussels this week that the group said it had carried out. In the footage, Islamic State noted that Belgium was part of a coalition fighting militants in the Middle East. It featured the training of Belgian militants suspected in the November 13 shooting um, that killed 130 people in Paris as well. The, Crus- uh, the Crusaders' aircrafts, including Belgium's, continue to bomb Muslims in Iraq and the Levant in the night and day, said the video. Every Muslim who is well aware of the history of Islam knows that the Holy War is an integral part, etc. So it cannot be clearer. We do need to have leaders who will acknowledge this. We know that Cruz, based on his announced foreign policy advisors and the things that he said himself, would deal with this threat effectively. He gave great statements in reaction uh, to Brussels this week. And what did our president do? He went to a baseball game in Cuba with a vicious dictator. That's what our president did this week. But, yeah, you know, again, the New York Times stories are about the lapses that, you know, basically the governments are even failing to heed Vi- you know uh, viable tips, tips that they get of confirmed uh, you know connections to jihad terrorism, of people that they're letting in their country. It's not even an issue of profiling and looking for a background check with obscure connections. It's known connections, information given to governments by other governments about these people that certain Western governments like Belgium were not heeding, and that led, you know at least in part to the attack that they suffered so yes people do need of course to be more careful with security but as i said security alone is not going to eliminate this threat people need to recognize um, you know the connection between islam and jihad and we need to hold i would say you know peaceful muslims more accountable to denouncing this and themselves Being explicit about, you know, what part of Islam is it that you embrace and what part do you decry and reject? Redmond MTB in the chat room says, to be fair, Amy, Obama also did the tango. Yes, I tried not to watch that. I saw a picture. I didn't think I could stand to watch the video. John Kenny in the chat room says, question for Muslims. Do you view jihadi attackers as heroes, martyrs, or instead murderers, criminals? And he says he thinks the answer would be martyr by a wide margin. And if so, this is a real problem. And the only way, really, I would think, to get people to stop believing this is to show, for example, that being part of ISIS is very ineffective. We need to not just do these little pinprick attacks. We need to do the sort of devastating attacks that Ted Cruz has described that he would do against ISIS if he was in office. You know, Donald Trump is going to try to get Putin to take care of it, and Putin's only going to take care of it if it happens to be in his fleeting interest at the time, whereas Cruz has a very principled understanding of what's going on with ISIS and would eliminate it, uh, you know, if, if he was president. And I think if you did utterly destroy and defeat ISIS, that that would reduce any amount of sympathy that Muslims here in the United States might have. But I assume, again, the majority of Muslims here in the United States do not have sympathy for this. Uh, the, the one thing also that does make me upset about Muslims in the United States, so, well, it's probably not just one thing. Let me, It's not just the one thing. I, I don't want to sort of box myself in and say that there aren't other things as well. Uh, I don't want Muslims in the United States, for instance, telling me I can't eat pork or bacon. Uh, I heard an anecdotal story the other day of someone going to a um, supermarket or something And putting a a pork roast on the little conveyor belt and there was a Muslim who was in front of this person and the Muslim sort of like made some sort of a snort and gave a look of disapproval or something because of the customer behind him buying pork how dare you buy pork in a supermarket in the United States when you are in the presence of a Muslim Right This kind of stuff, this idea that other people, and again, this is not just limited to Islam. I don't want, for example, Christians telling me whether I can have an abortion if I have a fetus who has been proven to have a severe genetic defect right i don't I don't want that religion dictating what I'm going to do either, but anyway, so I have that problem, but one thing that really uh, that happens after each of these terrorist attacks is that immediately an organization like CARE will come out and say, oh, my gosh, Muslims in the United States are afraid of backlash. They're so afraid. They're so afraid. Um, We don't need those stories. I think the first story should be coming out and saying, Muslims in the United States express sympathy. They disavow any connection with ISIS or jihad. You know, again, for me, I say, How is it that you maintain this contradiction in your mind that you say, okay, well, you know, I believe in Islam to a certain extent, but I don't embrace the whole thing. By what principle do you draw the line between those parts of the Quran that you accept and the other parts that you don't accept? I don't know. You have to figure that out for yourself. But what I do know is that you need to renounce any allegiance to the ideas of jihad um, or Islamic terrorism that... We need to know that you have no connection to these, that you want to live here peacefully, that you want to embrace the idea of individual rights here in America. And this demand is not being made upon American Muslims. It seems like it's what racist or something to ask them, even though Islam is not a race, it's a religion. It would be racist for me to say that you know they should embrace the constitution and all the freedoms that probably attracted them here in the first place. Uh, Yeah, motive power in the chat room has a good point. They should complain to jihadists about the so-called backlash because they're the ones who cause it. Yeah, Um, it's very similar to the relationship between so-called Palestine and Israel, right? When there are attacks, the ones who are supposed to feel bad about it are the victims, and the Muslim community will often try to make the victims or those of us here in the United States who are watching these attacks horrified, saying, okay, when I go to a train station or bus station or airport or whatever, when am I going to have to worry about something like this happening to me next, right? And as I understand it, Americans were particularly targeted. They're not the ones it's not It's not the Muslims. And I haven't seen any evidence of this backlash. But every single time that there is an attack, you see this call that, you know, the Muslim community is so afraid of backlash. I have not seen the backlash. You would see uh, an irrational backlash under a Donald Trump presidency. So this is one of the things, of course, that I would want to avoid because we do not want an irrational backlash. And I agree with those people who say that if you have an irrational backlash against Muslims you know against Muslims right because I don't think there's an irrational backlash against Islam Islam is a bad ideology I've read the Quran from cover to cover it is bad um, and, and again I'm talking about accepting it in total with all the calls for violence and the uh, you know characterization of Jews as apes the subjugation of women all of the horrible stuff that's in that Quran it is bad so any backlash against Islam itself Rational. Backlash against Muslims? No. Um, Should we screen Muslims more? Sure. Should we have a full U.S. registry and deport all of them and whatever the other these Trump supporters keep talking about? That'll never happen, by the way. No. Um, So, you know, one of the reasons that I don't support a Trump presidency is that he would at least try or threaten to do all kinds of crazy things, And increase sympathy for ISIS actually right now because of the Trump candidacy simply because of the Trump candidacy you have seen stories out there that say that mosques are becoming voter registration stations for Muslims because they're all going to vote against Republicans because they're now of course putting all Republicans in the same boat namely they must all be like Trump and have an irrational hatred of Muslims as such Versus if you listen to someone like Ted Cruz, he's got a much more nuanced, um, I don't I hate the word nuanced, correct position, uh, contextual position is what I would say, that Cruz makes a good judgment within the context. I've got a couple of people who want to talk here who have called in, so I'm going to go ahead and answer a call. Hi, is this Debbie?
2: Hi, Amy, this is Debbie.
1: Hi Debbie. Now this the sound wasn't great at the beginning. Let let's see how it is. How are you?
2: Oh, I'm pretty good. Um, I'm able to speak without the wind drowning me out, so that's um that's nice.
1: Yeah, no, and, it does sound uh, better than that the last time, definitely.
2: Yeah, it's more of a normal day. So um yeah, I was just uh, I was interested in what you said about how we don't hear about Muslims denouncing those attacks after they happen, and instead what we hear is Muslims complaining that they're afraid of backlash, if indeed they are. Um, And I do wonder, I mean, I think I remember seeing statistics about some significant percentages of the Muslim community who, though themselves don't participate in these horrific acts, quietly support it. And uh, I I really have to think that um, the majority of them, it it, it does look that way, that the majority of them, maybe they aren't that opposed to it. And maybe that's why I I hear about it.
1: This could be the time where we need to dig out some Pew Research polls. We know that there is quite a lot of sympathy around the world. I don't know so much about American Muslims, but probably more than we would feel comfortable with for sure.
2: Right, and um, like I hear uh, Adam Carolla gives an example frequently for a comparison just of the KKK, that they were part of, they claimed the mantle of Christianity and they were were Christian, or at least they affiliated themselves with it, and yet they were not widely accepted, and, and if someone were to come out and say that they're a part of that organization or sympathetic with that organization, in our current society, they would be, their life would be destroyed. Whereas somehow in Islam, again and again, they commit these atrocities in the name of Islam, and the Islamic community just doesn't really say much except for that they rail against the West They complain that they're being uh, put in a position where there might be backlash.
1: So, right,
2: um, right. Then also I was wondering what you think would be an irrational versus irrational sort of backlash, for instance, like um i heard a story on NPR and um they may be kind of cherry picking i don't know, but um, they had they were talking about kids from Muslim families being picked on in school and things like that, and uh, kind
1: of yeah sung. so I've, I've heard um I've heard an anecdotal story about Some kid in a southern state who, you know, know, kids are just irrational bullies sometimes too. And Donald Trump, Donald Trump never got out of that state. But so, so the kid says to the Muslim classmate as part of, you know, a whole pattern of taunting. This Muslim classmate says, "I can't wait till Donald Trump becomes president and deports you," or something like that, right? Right.
2: Well. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm certainly no supporter of Trump, but I guess I wonder about maybe whether it is appropriate to shun Muslims. Um,
1: for well, instance, so, kids so here's, Nazis, here's kind of my thought, right? So um, there are a number of laws in the United States right now that would force us, once Muslims are here, to transact business with, us, with them and otherwise deal with them. Right, because we're not allowed to quote discriminate. So, yeah. one problem is that we're not allowed to discriminate. If we were allowed to discriminate, of course, I think we all have reason to be suspicious. I mean, after all, the San Bernardino attack happened when you had a couple of people, or at least one person, was just a coworker at this one county, you know, bureaucratic office or whatever. Um, sometimes you don't know when your coworker is going to become dangerous, and so this idea that you'd be irrational to engage in some sort of extra background checks and maybe even avoid hiring Muslims, maybe not. So so no American should be forced to right. hire, rent
2: to, right? but I'm talking about to, uh, right? morally appropriate. Would it, uh, because the thing is that I'm, I'm inclined to think that to to denounce them and not only to not hire them, but... To reject them and say no, this is this is unacceptable. I completely socially shun you, not physical violence or anything like that. I know that legally we're not allowed to refuse to hire on the basis of that.
1: Sure. Um,
2: but, but what I'm interested in is the moral question.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I I'm I'm open to the idea that there are you know the equivalent of you know there's church on Sunday type you know christians that and and for example ted cruz i mean extremely religious from everything i know and yet i would as far as i know as all this scandal turns out to be false and everything i'd be happy to vote for him for president despite his problems and he's quite religious i think that there are also muslims in this country who fall into that category And I wouldn't necessarily shun them, but I would want to know, for example, that these are more of the Zudi Jasser type Muslims, uh, you know, versus the people who are involved in care, for example.
2: Right, right.
1: Yeah, Uh, I guess
2: I just think, I mean, what if that kid that got picked on in school, what if he had a swastika on his arm and he came from a family of Nazi sympathizers? Would we condemn the other kid for for saying, you know, thinking on him and saying, oh, you're a Nazi, that's disgusting, I wish you were, I don't know, I don't think that I would, I think that that would be an appropriate response. Uh,
1: Yeah, now, I mean, then then the other thing is, right, so, so Muslim kids in some countries overseas are irrevocably indoctrinated at a very early age, whereas I don't know that that's necessarily true of children of Muslim families here in the United States. So, you know, the fact that there's some Muslim kid at school, I don't even think it would mean very much, you know. Um, obviously, it's horrible, I think, as a parent to impose your particular views on your kids. The whole point about raising a child is to let the child learn to think for him or herself, right? But, um, you know, I, I, again, I I think Muslims in the United States, by and large, are generally, you know, going, going to be better than what, what we see overseas. And so I wouldn't want to see kids, you know, merely, you know, based on the fact that some, you know, other kid is Muslim, making those types of comments.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I hope yeah. you're right uh, about the, uh, about the majority of Muslims in the United States being relatively benevolent. Or, or is that how you would characterize it? Do you think they're kind of relatively benevolent, and, and that? Um, I mean, you know,
1: relatively. To... Now, you know, again, um, Christianity is different from Islam in that right now we have a significant minority of Muslims in the world who would like to essentially bring us back to the Middle Ages and are acting on that. So that's not true of Christianity, although we do see stuff like the Indiana story that I've got today. But, you know, the idea of, of waging all-out war and all of those things is not done in the name of other religions right now. So do I treat right. it exactly the same? No. Do do I Would I go ahead and try to avoid, um, you know, associations with Muslims, other things being equal? Probably. But there are many contexts in which you're going to be dealing with, you know, people who happen to be Muslim or call themselves Muslim that really... Don't take their religion as seriously as, for instance, they take their jobs or their families or, you know, leading a a good and peaceful, prosperous life here in the United States. Those people, uh, you know, I can live and let live with those people. But I certainly wouldn't want any of them uh, frowning on my purchase of bacon, you know, at the supermarket or the big box store or whatever next time I'm there, right? Right.
2: I guess I just wonder how one could tell the difference. Between the ones that are a threat right. and the ones that
1: aren't. No, I know. It it can it could be difficult. I mean, you know, again it would all be based on the context and, and I think everyone is I, I think I think you would be silly not to at least be somewhat skeptical given the right. pledged allegiance of, of someone to, to Islam, of course. Yeah, so you exactly. you would you would have to be wary. And, you know, as an objectivist, I mean we're atheists. We're never gonna be that close. To someone who is religious per se, anyway, much less someone who, you know, says that they are allied with a religion. That, as I said, there's you know a number of people in the world motivated by it and doing us and our way of life a tremendous amount of harm. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's 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 a tough question, though. I mean, I you know I don't think that you can just say, okay, we're going to deport all Muslims across the board. I think that, yes, right. More, right. more screening yeah. should be done. More, a lot more screening should be done. And forget all of this political correctness. Forget all of the Obama administration's attempts to strip the terms Islam and Jihad from so many of the intelligence training documents and all the other things that we've heard about.
2: Right. And, and as to the deportation, I absolutely agree with that because, it, you know, I hope you're right that that sort of thing would never happen. But if it ever did, then who, who's next, right? I mean, right. you never know. If, if they can, if the government can single out a group of people for their ideology and round them up and throw them—I don't know, deport them. I don't know how they would even physically do a deportation on that scale. But if they would do that and could do that, then uh, I don't think anybody has any rights anymore—not even just a little bit. So right. I. I think that it's really insane for anyone to support that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's no, I mean, what you, said, what you have yes, to do is you have to look for some sort of concrete affiliation with those people who are taking actions based on this ideology to destroy us and our way of life. Those people who are actually taking actions to kill us or destroy our way of life, those are the ones that we want to single out. And that would include contributions to organizations that are doing it, you know if there's you know so-called peaceful Muslims here in the United States who are sending a bunch of money to these organizations yeah. knowing, knowing yep. that they're funding these sort of terrorist attacks, that's out as well.
2: yeah, yeah. definitely, and and the political correctness, all that garbage, uh, if, if, if it weren't for all that, then we probably wouldn't be in the position that we're in where someone like Trump has appealed for saying something crazy like that said and uh, where the situation has gotten to the point where it has, with terrorist attacks. And and this
1: is where we need somebody level-headed like Cruz who can reject political correctness and yet have a rational approach to dealing with this threat, given all the facts on the ground now. I think he's the only one. And I think he's calling for Bolton to be Secretary of State or something. Is that right?
2: He was in favor of the NSA. Um, therapy, yeah, I know,
1: I... I know. Uh, and even even Cruz is too much in favor of the NSA for my uh, thing. But you know, again, I think you at least we can speak our mind and try to persuade him otherwise. I don't know if that's going to be yeah. true with, with the Trump. So, uh, yeah. anything else, Debbie? Nope. Okay. Well, I think- I thank you for calling in, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, grab another call. We'll talk to you uh, next time. I think this might be Ed. Is this Ed?
3: This is. How are you doing, Amy?
1: I'm doing okay, Ed, except for, like I said, the horrible news of the week that I'm sifting through and, and trying to say, hey, at least the world hasn't ended, so this is a good thing, right?
3: Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's not even hot out. <laughs> not only has the world not ended, but, like, it's kind of cold.
1: Oh, you're cold uh, back east right now?
3: Oh, it's, I don't know, what's this, what's my watch size? 65. That's, that's not, that's not cold.
1: That's perfect. It's, um, yeah, that
3: seems – yeah, it's very California. I'm not uh, – I'm driving now. I'm in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, where okay. uh, you may have heard there was a battle fought at one time, 150
1: yes. years ago. Yes. But, by the way, right. um, while I was on the phone with Debbie, I got breaking news from Mababira here in the chat room. Suicide blast kills 29 at an Iraq football stadium and ISIS is claiming responsibility, of course. So it looks like there's probably going to be some more attacks.
3: Well, I always knew there was a good reason not to like soccer. That seems good enough. Um, Yeah, what can you do about Iraq? There's nothing you can do about Iraq. But what you can do about America, I wanted to bring up a topic um, that you and Debbie kind of talked about. It's like, what is this ideology? And... uh, the problem is nobody's really come up with a good name for it. I read a book the other day, and they give a suggestion for what to call it. Um, and I wanted to sort of put it out there. I know Bosch is of the opinion that the ideology is just, you know, Islam. No, um,
1: not necessarily, and, right? And what, if, what, if you, what if you just call it jihad, the doctrine well, of jihad? You know, So it is Islam's call to wage holy war, i.e. jihad. That is the problem
3: but yeah but yeah, but it isn't, you know, I mean uh your own says Islamic totalitarianism that's that's closer, but uh this uh guy um Stephen Coughlin, who's a ex government official, what he calls it is Islamic supremacism, and I like that because you know, and you say, well, what does that mean? It means the implementation of sharia, right you got to get Sharia in there somewhere sharia is. Sharia is more important than jihad, actually, because sharia is the root of the evil. Jihad is just a means, you know. Jihad is just the war. So it's Mm -hmm. the implementation of sharia by force, by waging jihad. That's Islamic supremacy. And uh, it's nicely parallel to white supremacists. Right. I'm I'm beginning to like that term more and more. You know who uses like that
1: the, term you know who uses that term as well and it ends up making me a little bit more sympathetic to the use is Robert Spencer. I've heard Robert Spencer yeah. say Islamic supremacism. And it is, it's the idea that you know, they embrace Islam not just as, you know, this is my personal religion, live and let live, but they want right. to make Islam supreme over us and our wishes and our way of life and everything else.
3: Yeah, and so, um, you know, as far as what we can do, certainly we should, you know, with the odd single-digit exceptions like Ayaan Lee uh stop Muslim, you know, immigration to the United States and that I think Trump is probably correct. Um, that, that is perfectly legal. There is a law already on the books. I may have read it to you on some previous program mm-hmm. that, allows, uh, that allows the president on his own authority to, um, to do that. But the other thing we need to do, and this was brought out again by this Stephen Koppeln, is to systematically and ruthlessly purge the government, federal, state, and local, of all elements of the Muslim Brotherhood. right which has which has sort of essentially infiltrated the Department of Defense, the intelligence community, the um, the the you know the state policing and the local policing. Um, and, it, and you could do that by naming the Muslim Brotherhood uh, terrorist organization. That's the sort of legal way you would go about it. And then uh, all of the Muslim apologists we talked about earlier, it's like, oh, backlash, backlash, you know, from care. Well, care is the Muslim Brotherhood. The Islamic Society of North America is the Muslim Brotherhood. Eighty percent of the mosques in the United States are controlled by the Muslim Brotherhood. And you could just I, systematically roll that all up um right. and the Muslim Brotherhood is is in fact a terrorist organization i mean that that's true um so it it, it has the it has the advantage of being uh true and legal and effective um, right I, I think that now uh none of the candidates have mentioned the Muslim Brotherhood. I haven't heard Ted Cruz mention it. He talks a lot about radical Islam. Yeah, but terrorists. I
1: do I do know that the, the people who he's talked about having as foreign policy advisors, or I forget exactly the positions that he was going to appoint all these people to, but he's got Gaffney and uh, some other, uh, Andrew C. McCarthy. These people are very well versed in the danger of well, the McCarthy Muslim Brotherhood. Is-
3: McCarthy and Gaffney are excellent, both of them. Right. Um, right. I would, I, I would trust them. I don't, not the biggest fan of uh, Bolton. Uh, we've just no, no. Before. But you
1: know, Bolton as the Secretary of State maybe would be a good choice. But yeah, these these two other guys. I think they should just, just
3: guys... rename that post the Secretary of Surrender, right? I think <laughs> between Clinton and and Kerry, I think they really just ought to rename the post. Uh, it's it's, re, it's, really, bad. it's really bad. It's
1: really bad. It was like a couple of weeks ago. Finally, Carrie decided to declare that there was genocide, you know, in in Iraq against Christians or something. I mean, it, it's it's horrible and, and pathetic and revolting. So, um, I do need to get on to some of the other stories because I do have this ambitious list and I'm far behind. But anything else before I let you go?
3: You're way too ambitious, Amy. This is a Friday afternoon. Take it easy.
1: But there's a world to save out there, and I've got to talk about these stories. So anyway. Okay. Um, All right. Nothing you, else. You have, you have a great drive through Pennsylvania, and, and thanks for calling it. Um, okay. So let me get back over to the list. Don't let it is where you go to find the list of stories. And again, as I'm going through some of the other ones, if you do want to call in 760-888-5817 is the number. So, In addition to the horrible terrorist attack, what we saw was our president, Barack Obama, gallivanting around Cuba. And now I understand he's in Argentina where he did the tango, among other things. And there was a graphic that was being passed around social media. I wasn't able to find it and get it onto the blog at DontLetItGo.com. But if somebody wants to send it to me, I would love to post it up there. But... Uh, The best I could do is I could get this news story, and this is from townhall.com. As Brussels reels from ISIS-led terror attack, Obama attends baseball game in Cuba. And the image that you saw out there was what was being broadcast on a number of news channels, I guess, because at the same time as Obama is at this baseball game in Cuba doing the little wave with Raul Castro, at the same time you see all of the first responders in Brussels actually attending to injured people, um, you know, cleaning up bodies and parts of bodies, uh, you know, dealing with all of the the wreckage from these horrible jihadist attacks in Brussels. And so here's Obama, you know, and and it looks horrible. You know, he he calls it optics or whatever. But, um, you know, some people are saying, well, On the one hand, the president should not let the terrorists win by, you know, changing your agenda. But on the other hand, people would say, you know, did you have to go to the baseball game and do the wave and all this kind of stuff and give only a 50-second shout-out, so to speak, to the people in in Brussels who had suffered all of these casualties? Very, very, very insensitive. Um, The other thing that should horrify any American this week, is that our president in Argentina gives a little speech to some of the young there, and he's talking about capitalism versus communism. And his advice for them in terms of capitalism versus communism, just choose from what works. That's the headline. It says President Obama told a group of young people in Argentina not to worry about the differences between capitalism. You know, capitalism, the system that upholds individual rights and that says that the initiation of force, including by government, is banned from human society. You know, that system. Just don't worry about the differences between that and communism. You know, communism, the one that enslaves the entire population under the slogan, the greatest good for the greatest number, and actually happens to uh, elevate a few with to a you know, as luxurious and can be had in a system of slavery system, uh, lifestyle that they can have. So you have, on the one hand, freedom. On the other hand, slavery. Just don't worry about the differences. Just choose from what works. As if, you know, sometimes capitalism works, sometimes communism works. There's no moral difference. Just choose. It's just a pragmatic choice. Quote from Obama. He says, so often in the past there's been a sharp division between left and right, between capitalist and communist or socialist, the president said. And this was during a Young Leaders of the Americas Initiative town hall meeting in Buenos Aires. And he says, and especially in the Americas, that's been a big debate, right? He says, oh, you know, you're a capitalist Yankee dog. And oh, you know, you're some crazy communist that's going to take away everybody's property. Um, And now, of course, I'm getting the spinning wheel of death. So let me see, you know, the, the spinning rainbow of death that you get in safari browser every so often right when you want to read from obama's horrible speech let me see if i can get it up in firefox okay it's not working you can help me here no it didn't work um try it again okay here we go okay let me get the rest of his speech here okay so yeah they're going to take everyone's property he says and uh, Continuing from Obama, okay, I, I'm not liking the Washington Times website. He says, and I mean those are interesting intellectual arguments, but I think for your generation you should be practical and just choose from what works. You don't have to worry about whether it neatly fits into socialist theory or capitalist theory. You should just decide what works, Mr. Obama continued. And he says, quote, and I said this to President Castro in Cuba, I said, look, you've made great progress in educating young people. Every child in Cuba gets a basic education. That's a huge improvement from where it was. Medical care, the life expectancy of Cubans, is equivalent to the United States, despite it being a very poor country because they have access to health care. That's a huge achievement. They should be congratulated, he says, unquote. The president admitted that while those policies are working in Cuba, the economy there is still failing. Really? I imagine why. Quote, he says, and so you have to be practical in asking yourself, how can you achieve the goals of equality and inclusion, but also recognize that the market system produces a lot of wealth and goods and services? and quote. You mean that there's this disparity, Obama, between making everybody equal and still not starving? You know that, like they're experiencing in Venezuela right now? He wants to, Obama, he wants to have his cake and eat it too, this idea that you are going to be able to leave people a little bit free, just enough so that they will produce, quote, a lot of wealth and goods and services, and then rake all of that off only to the extent that you can keep them producing and basically uh, live off of their backs. And that, that's really what he wants. Mr. Obama argued that the most successful economies are rooted in a market-based system, but, quote, a market does not work by itself. He refuses to define work, right? Work here is the altruist ideology, that the strong must be sacrificed to the weak, the intelligent to the not so intelligent, the able to the not able, um, always creating, quote, the greatest good for the greatest number. He's got the Rawlsian egalitarianism ideal, embedded in his idea of quote work if he had you know any kind of a moral compass he would not say oh you know capitalism versus communism no problem Uh, just choose what works you would realize that communism represents the initiation of force the sacrifice of the individual to the collective and that capitalism is the only system that upholds the sanctity of an individual's life consistently and, you know, this idea that you depart from it and therefore you aren't uh, to that extent a socialist is, is ridiculous. Matt in the chat room says that if he had a moral compass, he would not set a foot in Cuba. And, and I think that's definitely true. Um, Tim in the chat room says that Obama is saying that the practical is the moral when it is the other way around. Exactly. Uh, the idea that you can say that anything is practical without it having been moral is ridiculous. In our personal lives, we don't say, oh, you know, figure out whatever works, you know, just sacrifice this friend to that friend and do all these other things. But somehow as a political matter, that seems to be okay. You can say, okay, well, we'll, you know, sacrifice this group over there or that group over there in order to get the greatest good for the greatest number. It is crazy. Um, He says uh, to, to these youth in Argentina, he says, it's up to you whether you're in business or in academia or the nonprofit sector, whatever you're doing, to create new forms that are adapted to the new conditions that we live in today. So his idea is that if human beings live in new conditions, that somehow the old divide between force and not force, it's going to go out the window. And I don't see how he thinks he can justify this, but I would definitely reject it. But that's our president that is the United States president United States was the first country essentially founded on the ideal of capitalism on the ideal of protecting our life liberty also property and the pursuit of happiness that those rights those are the foundation of capitalism and yet here is our president going to other countries saying Ah, capitalism versus communism versus socialism don't worry about it there's no real difference no moral difference the the differences in the theory don't matter just see whatever works and I say no mr. president the differences in theory are because of the the moral difference that exists at root which is either you believe it is right to initiate force against someone else or you don't and if you don't think it's right to initiate force against someone else For any reason, it is neither, you know, good for the government to be doing this for any purpose, whatever. You think you can achieve good for somebody else by initiating force against some? It's not possible. It's shown to fail in practice wherever it's been tried. And, um, you know, the idea that he's going around and, and preaching it to kids in Argentina is pathetic, In the chat room was saying capitalism is the only moral system. The fact that it offers unparalleled prosperity is secondary. Yes, exactly. It does offer unparalleled prosperity. And it is true that wherever socialism is consistently practiced, you're going to get what's going on in Venezuela today. But the prosperity or lack of prosperity is secondary to the moral issue. And the moral issue is, do you think it is right to point a gun at your neighbor and make him pay for your health care, your child's education, the food on your table, anything else. No, it is not. You can ask for charity if you want. Charity an optional issue. It's perfectly moral to give charity in certain situations. Americans have always been a very charitable people whenever they're allowed to accumulate wealth. Right now, uh, the situation is very dire. And, you know, depending on who we have as our president next time around, can make a big difference in terms of the amount of money in Americans' pocketbooks. If we have Bernie Sanders, for example, it's going to move us in the direction of of, uh, Venezuela. David in the chat room says, all collectivists must wear down morality to achieve their goals. Utilitarianism is, by definition, amoral. Amoral is, by reason, immoral. Yes. Now, here he's not specifically pointing out utilitarianism, he wants to hide behind that phrase, that pragmatist phrase, whatever works, but if you actually look at the writings of pragmatists and you try to dig down as to what counts as good according to a pragmatist, essentially what you'll get is the good, and this is what James said in one of his works, that the good is whatever satisfies demand. So Whatever satisfies the most demands for the most people at a time is what probably a politician would try to do. And what does that mean? Try to achieve some sort of egalitarianism, sacrifice of the able to the unable. Um, Matt in the chat room points out as well, he says, I'm sick of people touting the Cuban literacy rate. He says, do you know why the literacy, literacy rate is so high? So the Cuban communist can pound propaganda into the soft mush heads of its captive Population. Yeah, I agree with that. I watched myself, Ilian Gonzalez, who had been raised as a child of a dissident. And then, of course, everyone, a lot of people, a lot of us saw when Janet Reno had her thugs take that kid out of the arms of his family in Florida and bring him back to Cuba. And now he is a communist shill. And it is the most horrible, pathetic thing to see. But that's what they did. They indoctrinated him fully. And, you know, if you can't read the writings, you can't get indoctrinated. So I am having not a good time getting my browser to work over here. Let me see if I'm going to have any luck. Okay, now I got it up. So speaking of a a child being ripped out of the hands of the family, I did want to talk about this story about Lexi, the six-year-old girl who has been removed From her Santa Clarita foster family in California and if you haven't been following this story let me tell you this girl Lexi has been living with her foster family uh, mother and father and at least two other children in Santa Clarita for four years so if she's only six years old she's been living with them for four years you can imagine this is really the only home that she's ever known and she has been forcibly ripped from this family, the only one she's ever known, due to a piece of legislation called the Indian Child Welfare Act. It is a 1978 federal law designed to protect Native American children. Now, what do they mean by protect? As Tim Sandifer points out, and by the way, um, at DontLetItGo.com, I have originally, or not originally, but I have, um, you know, in that list of program notes, I have a KTLA local news story talking about the fact that, you know, this child has been ripped from her family. And then right below that, I have a link to a video clip from Fox News in which Tim Sandifer, who's going to be my guest next week, he talks about how the Goldwater Institute is currently fighting against the Indian Child Welfare Act, arguing that it's unconstitutional. And what he says in that video is that when a child has been shown to have any Indian blood at all so in this case I understand that Lexi has about one and a half percent Indian blood and therefore she would be eligible to be a member of the tribe in, in Utah when that happens the best um, what, what do you call it the, um, the best interest the best interest of the child standard which is the normal standard in child custody cases the best interest of the child standard That they use when determining whether a child gets to stay with foster families and everything else, that is not used anymore. It is thrown out only in the case where a child is shown to have a little bit of Indian blood. So it is a racist piece of legislation, this legislation that mandates that the best interest of the child standard be thrown out in child custody cases and that was exactly what was done in this case. As I understand it, the family of Lexi has gone for an emergency order to the Supreme Court of the state of California to try to prevent this from happening. If you want to, you can go ahead and search out there for uh, Lexi. There's campaigns on Facebook. I think there's a fundraising campaign if you want to help the family try to get the child back. I know that the Goldwater Institute, as I said, is fighting the constitutionality. They're saying this is an unconstitutional racist piece. Of legislation treating children differently based on whether there's any Indian blood in them is horrible inexcusable and um, I think they're going to win eventually but it's going to take a while and this poor child is being displaced in the meantime so if you want to do something to help with that I would highly recommend it (sighs) Herman the German in the chat room and, and John Kenny are both stunned talking about how racist this is Herman the German says, that's even worse than the Norwegian Child Protective Services, which is infamous internationally. I haven't heard the story, so maybe we need to at some point. Rob says, I've seen this in Oklahoma with the welfare department's mandate to keep families together. And that's the thing. The so-called family that is trying to take this child and move her, I guess, to an Indian reservation in Utah and completely disrupt her life for shame. I mean that is that is truly horrible one and a half percent all it takes is the proof that there's a tiny bit of Indian blood there and that's what you get so that of course is is a horrible story now Firefox is Firefox gonna run for me I'm having a hard time with my browser here hold on for a second technical difficulties people Um, okay So I'm back here with my program notes. So the other story that I wanted to talk about is one that I told you Rob Abiera sent me. And it is Indiana just banned abortion in cases in which the fetus has Down syndrome. Actually, it's interesting, the the headline at the Washington Post, as it's written, is amphibolous. It says, India just banned abortion if the fetus has Down syndrome, which could mean that all abortions are banned if a particular fetus has Down syndrome, but you know what they mean, right? They mean that in cases where the fetus has been shown to have a severe genetic defect such as Down syndrome, abortion would not be allowed in Indiana if this is allowed to stand. It says Indiana Governor Mike Pence signed a controversial abortion bill Thursday. That among other things would ban the procedure if it is sought because the fetus was diagnosed with a disability or defect such as Down syndrome. Shortly before his deadline to act on the sweeping measure, Pence called the law quote, a comprehensive pro-life measure that affirms the value of all human life end quote according to the Associated Press. The law, which was passed by the legislature earlier this month, would make Indiana the second state in the nation after North Dakota to ban abortion in cases where a fetal anomaly is detected. So again, think about this. This law would punish the most responsible prospective parents, right? Because you're talking about people who got pregnant who think that they do want to keep the child, but they want to test to make sure that there is not a severe fetal anomaly. You know, and if you go through all the different ones and they tell you, you know, these are all the different things that can happen if there's a double of this chromosome and a double of that one and everything else, um, some of the fetal anomalies do not result in any, you know, significant deterioration in quality of human life for the child but there's some of them that do and so when you know Pence says this is a pro life measure that affirms the value of all human life it does not it requires the enslavement of women to fetuses and then later children who often have no prospect of anything resembling a normal human life it is a perfectly valid decision and the genetic tests that they have now you can get genetic tests as early as 10 weeks or potentially even earlier. So these are very very early term uh, abortions that you would be having. This is not, you know, the late term third trimester stuff where you already have, you know, essentially almost a baby that is viable. People who are responsible, they get their genetic testing done early. They know that they say, "Look, I want to have a baby if it's healthy." And to punish those people in particular, I mean, what what are you going to do? So in this case, uh, basically any time that you're pregnant, you just have to roll the dice if you're in Indiana. If you want to get genetic testing and take action according to the results, then I guess you have to go to another state if you live in Indiana. Then maybe you can get an abortion. I don't know. What I sure hope is that this law gets struck down. Um, Maybe if it... Gets challenged before the you know current configuration of the Supreme Court. Yeah, Rob in the chat room says family values. Oh yeah. Um, if you want to read some of the articles who have you know that have been written by the few brave women who have you know decided to carry to term a Down syndrome baby and then live for thirty plus years caring for that child and and how miserable they have been there are a number of articles out there like that I remember some of uh, at least one in the British press that I recall Uh, the idea that you would force somebody against their will to carry to term and essentially serve a child like this well beyond you know the number of years in which they're not capable normally of uh, you know physically caring for themselves it, it It's just horrific. It is really, really horrific. So like I said, you know, this is part of the bad news of the week. And what do we say? We say, okay, at least the world hasn't ended. At least we're still in a position where we can fight for a better world. And even under a president, Ted Cruz, I'm not exactly sure what Cruz would say about this case. I would say he would probably think it's better if people do not terminate these pregnancies. But whether he himself would you know, promote this particular ban and impose it on all Americans. I'm not sure that he would. He might, he might want to uphold it on a state-by-state basis. And then I would want to talk to him about it, and at least he would uphold our right to free speech so that we could argue against him. John says, I recall the story mentioned on here a few months ago about the British Downs mother that said she wished she had aborted her child. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Um, as an adult, the child was beyond their ability to care for, right? Because sometimes if there's some sort of a a temper tantrum, which happens with young children, you can control a young child. But if you have what is essentially a full-size adult behaving like a child, you cannot. And to say that people have no choice but to be subjected to that, that if you want to have a child and you hope for a healthy child, you must take the risk of being subjected to that, it is so immoral to, you know, to say that that is a pro-life measure is, is just beyond anything I would consider acceptable. I've got a call here. I'm gonna go ahead and take. Hi, who's this?
0: Hey, Bosch.
1: Hi, Bosh. How are you?
0: Good. can you hear me? okay. I'll begin.
1: I can. I can. now right, good. i good. I did I wanted to talk to you um, because I wanted to ask you, I know that as a comic fan that you have already seen, the Batman versus Superman movie that is stirred up a lot of controversy out there on social media about whether it's good or not. Um, For just a couple minutes before that, though, I wanted to talk about the other news story that, like I said, I kind of went through the whole news cycle of it this morning. This morning I woke up to see this news that potentially Ted Cruz had had five affairs or affairs with five women. And now it's looking like that story is probably not true at all. Is that still your sense Have you been following the story?
0: Yeah, there there was actually the latest latest take on that, if I could find it for one second. uh, I think I'm having the same difficulties here. One second. Uh, A person from a Texas newspaper is basically um, refuting it, arguing against it with some, I think, on Twitter at least, in some capacity, but I can't access it right now. I can't get it. Hmm. But it's someone from uh, it's it's on real um, not real it's on the um, the right the right scoop the right scoop which is definitely it, it favors Cruz but it's, to me it's just so much better than Breitbart or Judge which are absolutely in the tank for uh, for a Trump. But anyway, uh, it it's not looking good. And the the big tell for me was when Trump did not tweet about it. Okay, wait.
1: So you're you're saying uh, it's not looking good for Trump. It's looking good for yes. Cruz in terms of this being false, right? Okay, I just want to clarify. Yes.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, for sure that, that's the case. But um, what what I was gonna say was, um, uh, I can't find it. I can't access it. I don't know what the hell's going on here. It's so weird. You,
1: you were you were saying that you would expect Trump to be, you know, gloating and putting all this out yeah. there, and you have Twitter, you have not I'm seen absolutely.
0: that. No, because he's Mr. Tweeter. I mean, he tweets. That's what he's he wants to be the uh, the uh, Tweeter in chief, and he always tweets, and he hasn't done anything about it. So you figure, okay, I mean, there's something maybe here.
1: Donald Trump yeah. as tweeter-in-chief is about the only thing that I could think would be worse than our current president, Barack Obama, gallivanting yeah. around Cuba. Yeah. So. I
0: mean, it would be an unpredictable mess. Uh, some days he might make a mistake and do something that's okay, Trump. He might trip over himself and say something that's okay, maybe someone influenced that. But mostly, it would be, absolutely, we'd be hanging on to our seats and saying, what's he going to do, what's he going to say today? And I'm zooming over to uh,
1: I'm I'm resuming over to uh, zooming over to Twitter right now, and um, okay, he is tweeting about it. Oh, okay. He is so, tweeting about it right now. It says uh, response to the cover story in this week's National Enquirer about lying, Ted Cruz. He's calling him lying, Ted Cruz. Um, keep Cruz, in mind, is, uh, to, Cruz is coming back sorry, with he, Donald Trump, which I like, by the way.
0: Oh yeah, um, yeah. Because I mean, she you know, Trump Trump is single-handedly turning into an already sleazy um, profession of politics, and it's even more more sleaze. But also he's um, very good friend hear, the head of national yeah.
1: – do, do you want to hear Trump's statement?
0: Sure, I guess.
1: Okay, so here's, here's Trump. It's, it's fairly short. I guess he posted it on Facebook about an hour ago while I was still doing this show. So that's my excuse for not having it up already, uh, guys, on my program notes. So this is what he says. He says, I have no idea whether or not the cover story about Ted Cruz in this week's issue knows how he says cover story, right? In uh, uh-huh. this week's National Enquirer is true or not. But I had absolutely nothing to do with it, did not know about it, and have not uh-huh. read it. Now the other day he was talking about maybe quote spilling the beans, yes. right? Yeah. Okay, so then he says he says likewise, I have nothing to do with the National Enquirer, and unlike lying Ted Cruz, I do not surround myself with political hacks and henchmen, okay. just, and then pretend just, just this... Yeah.
0: Sorry, this idiot, uh, Trump, the, uh, the imbecile, he accused tr- Cruz of being responsible for Cruz's super PAC, which he's not responsible for, which he has no contact with, was legally bound to not have any contact with, and he was blaming Cruz for that alleged hit piece against his wife, which is not, was not a hit piece. but basically a, a republishing of a picture, a semi-new picture that she took for GQ a number of years ago. Right. So this idiot is accusing him and saying he's being accused of, the same thing that he accused Cruz of, cause, and Cruz said, you know, basically, uh, he said today and his press was about projection. There's uh, the new definition of projection, will basically be uh, Donald Trump. He his face will be there. He is the ultimate projector. That's what he does. And I just I can't believe. I mean, it, so, so basically, I
1: mean, you're think saying you're, you know, you're saying he's projecting on everybody else what is in yes. his mind and heart.
0: Yes. I keep in mind, this guy also, if he's going to criticize Cruz, this guy bragged, and you mentioned it, he bragged about uh, banging married women. He bragged about it in a book. It wasn't just some, some off-cup remark, in a book, a very concentrated form of thinking, quote-unquote thinking for him, in a book to brag about it. What the point what yes. of it is, I have no idea. But that's who we're dealing with here: a guy who not only is ashamed about what do doing with him, but he brags about it.
1: Right. And for him, yeah.
0: if he's, like, you know, if he's, like, criticized Cruz about this, like, what rounds is he going to criticize him? Only on Cruz's alleged morality? It's like this. The only reason why he calls him uh, Lion Ted is because he knows Cruz is one of the most honest politicians out there. So, therefore, he's exactly. like, you know what? Let me get him where it hurts. You know, people think he's honest. Let me call him Lion Ted, and it'll fit because my idiotic fans will just buy it, and they'll start calling him Lion, 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 Lion Ted. You know, it's, it's, yeah. just, it's and, just an absolute mess. And.
1: And I, I don't know if he's succeeding in that or not. As I understand, Cruz is doing very well in Wisconsin polls. We'll see whether that holds yes. up in the next couple of days. Yes. I've got in the program notes over at DontLetItGo.com a number of links that you would find relevant. So, for example, there was some sort of a partnership between National Enquirer and Trump with respect to Carson last October. And um, – I believe that Rush Limbaugh pointed that out this morning on his show, so I wanted to do that. And then the other thing is that the National Enquirer has endorsed Donald Trump, so that could also yes, be I relevant have. to your evaluation of what's going on. Over at the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro put together a little post called Five Things You Need to Know About the Cruz Sex Scandal. And he says, uh, he says, you know, all the, he's, he calls it the Trump Twitter Luftwaffe. They're giddy beyond belief sure. because of all of this. And, you know, um, so, so what are the things you need to know? He says, first, it's Trump's people who have been pushing the story. Uh, Trump has a long, friendly history with the CEO of the National Enquirer, so he points that out. And then he says, number two, Cat- Katrina Pearson, who's one of the National Enquirer's women listed there, has denied the story. She is Trump's campaign spokeswoman. So that's pretty awkward three, Amanda Carpenter, another of the women named, has denied the story outright. And I saw the video clip where she was denying that on CNN. Uh, the Cruz super PAC that donated money to the Carly Fiorina campaign didn't do it to shut up this other woman. You know, that was one of the things that was uh, alleged. So he talked right. about what that was about. And he says, Cruz has denied the story and blamed the Trump campaign for the smear. So these are all things that you need to know. Um and actually, if you go to that link from Shapiro, you'll see the statement from Trump as well. So even though I didn't have it in my program notes, I've got it in my program notes indirectly because it's on Ben Shapiro's post. So if you go to DontLetItGo.com, you'll get all the links that you need to to figure out what's going on with this Donald Trump Inquirer story. Okay? Um, so so tell me, just in a, in a few minutes if you can, Bosh, you you saw the Batman versus Superman?
0: I did. I saw it uh, Monday. It was an early show because I went to um, a screening for the IMAX trailer a while back, and they they, uh, gave it to us, which is great. So, you know, I went there to see Batman uh, and Superman on screen. That's what I got. I enjoyed that aspect of it. I enjoyed seeing Wonder Woman. I enjoyed a few scenes there, pretty unexpected and shocking scenes, I got to say. You know, you're sitting there like, whoa, they actually went there. They actually went to a place that you didn't expect them to go to. And uh, I guess, you know, people are complaining that, that it's pretty long, and I guess it is, but uh, as you watch the movie, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because it's an action film, but it's a slow build, a pretty slow build, and I like that. I like that, actually, because, uh, you know, Zack Snyder sometimes is a little too bombastic, and this was a little, a little rare for him to, to, uh, to do, to build the story, to build the, the uh, conflict between the two characters and why they do it. And also, uh, you know, uh, Lex Luthor from 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 a trailer that wasn't too crazy about him. He okay. actually was a, a pretty good villain. He was uh, he was a lot more dangerous than you would um, have thought.
1: Okay, uh, now I, way, we obviously the, uh, we obviously don't want to give spoilers, but no, I think no, I heard. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not yeah. But yeah, I, I think I heard one thing where someone was saying, "Oh, it's a villain who's an industrialist or something," right?
0: They can. Dickens that he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a son of an uh, of, of industrialist and, you know, abusing his position and his power and his and his wealth, sure. And, you know, but that's Lex Luthor. That, that's the way he's been written for decades now. It's not something new. It's not just that someone, you know, like someone right now is attacking capitalism through Lex Luthor. No, that's been a character for decades. And there are corrupt businessmen and that's just part of it. I mean, just, uh, I just, don't, I don't think it's an, it's an attack on capitalism or businessmen per se. I just don't think so.
1: Okay. You know, people are
0: reaching now to find something. Oh, see, that's another reason why this is why movies like that's BS. I don't buy that criticism. But also okay. Just, you, so you don't you don't you it's don't it's think, the,
1: th- think it was that? And then in terms no, of the the plot and everything, even though it was long, you thought it was a, a well-designed plot, et cetera. Again, try not to reveal any spoilers. No, no,
0: no, no. No, I do think uh, the the setup because it's a Batman v Superman. That's the whole setup, and it's. You know, it's you can buy. It's say, okay, I can see why that would happen. I can see why that could be, why they could be even um, manipulated into into uh, into what happens. But I don't want to say more. But I, I just think it's a little more interesting, a little more thoughtful than I would have expected myself going in. You know, because okay. it's, it's it's a whole idea of these.
1: Did did anything yeah, about think. it disappoint you? Are you there? hello okay i cannot hear you and i don't know hmm. okay we got disconnected so i hope he calls back in and then he can tell us but the gist that you got right there is that he thought that the movie okay i think he's here again i'm going to go ahead and grab this
0: is it you boss yeah no yeah no idea what happened sorry okay anyway, look, so
1: did, look, did anything did anything about it disappoint you
0: uh, I'm trying to think, this flat out something that just that people are talking about, that people not necessarily. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't fun in a way that the Avengers movie is fun, but I think it's a whole different spirit, it's a whole different uh, world here. I mean, the, the Avengers is very light. Now the Avengers, to me, I enjoyed it ten times more than Avengers two. Absolutely. Avengers two, I can't watch again. This, I will watch again. I will definitely watch again. And okay. it's, it's also the idea of Superman and Batman and woman, one woman on the screen together for the first time ever. That that alone is like, to me, as a comic book fan, and also Zack Snyder is 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 a comic book fan, a hardcore comic book fan. But you know, the one thing that disappointed in one sense, in one sense, I telegraphed a few scenes and a few moments before they even happened because I I know the lore of a, of a, of a comic book Okay, so, so be, well because because
1: you are a fan, you knew some things yeah. that were going to happen. Oh, yeah, okay,
0: three four. Three, four, or five times, I was like, okay, okay. and I, I anticipate something. So, um, I, in that sense, yeah, I, I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to know, but also, just you know, just a few scenes again. There were a few moments like shocking me, like okay, they went there, they 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 did something that you wouldn't have, have expected necessarily. So, yeah, How would you
1: um, How would you compare it to The Dark Knight? Uh,
0: the Dark Knight, better film, no doubt, no doubt. Dark about Knight was it. a better, better
1: film than this. Okay, absolutely. how about? Um, Redmond MTB in the chat room here is asking if you had to rate it from one to ten, what would you say?
0: Seven, maybe eight. A seven,
1: seven, maybe yeah. eight. Okay. Yeah. And you definitely recommend it's people a, go it, see it? In the theater?
0: Absolutely. It's, it's not a great film. It's good with some really good scenes. And also the most shocking thing to me, the most shocking thing of the film, and I can reveal it, is uh, this guy looks like Ben Affleck. Um, he did pretty damn good. As Bruce Wayne and, uh, and Batman. quite a spoiler no, man, there. I mean, but... He, no, but he, he, uh, I didn't see Ben Affleck. I saw Bruce Wayne and Batman.
1: Okay. And
0: it's shocking because he's been such a bad actor for so many years. He well, I think, has I think people to remember
1: dog. when, um, when it was first announced that Affleck was going to take oh, over, God. you thought it was terrible, right?
0: I thought it was terrible. I, it was like a punch in the gut. Like, wait a minute, Ben Affleck, this guy? Oh, But he was damn good. He was well, what he Rob
1: was. Abier in the chat room is uh, he's trying to become the punisher. He says sad uh, fleck. Sad fleck, bad yeah. fleck.
0: <laughs> I mean, look, you know, I i, I called him a bad actor, you know? Um, you
1: know? The other thing Rob Rob is asking, is the movie entertaining?
0: Parts of it, yes. No doubt about it. No doubt. It's, okay, again, it's not, it's not a Marvel film. Marvel is... Sometimes too much with their entertainment, uh, you know, aspect. I think they really undercut customer seriousness. This is a little too serious. Okay. But there are some entertaining aspects. I mean, you know, some definitely funny stuff. I mean, that was in was completely there,
1: completely. I mean, applauding. Well, and then then here's the question. Here's here's a question. To the extent that some things were entertaining. Were they entertaining only to people like you who have inside knowledge? No, no, no,
0: no. No, I okay, no, okay, no. There were a, a few moments, uh, just yeah, def- definitely good and necessary. I mean, you need it because it's pretty damn dark, you know, and, and it's raining and it's dark and it's muddy. I mean, literally, that so you yes. you need some 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 levity. Again, I think Marvel overdoes it, and I think uh, DC, you know, doesn't have enough. So they they okay. need a little more balance there. But you want to you want to see Batman and Superman in uh, in a movie together? Check it out. I mean, check it out. Okay. That's a whole poll. And you know, there's also you know, in terms of Batman, the uh, the look of the character from Bruce Wayne, the way Ben Affleck looks to the Batman suit, it's the uh, the most, how can I say, the most pure translation from the page to the screen that's ever been done for Batman. Because all the movies had the black rubber. This was actually a suit that that he wore. And, okay. and, and the ears were shorter, like the Dark Knight, like the Frank, Frank Mills version. Anyway, I'll let you go. I know really you have some a few more things there.
1: Yeah, I do. I have but a couple more see, stories uh, that I want to get to, definitely.
0: And you know, Henry Cavill again. I just I like him as Superman. He's uh, you know, there's something about the way he pulls it off. It's not Chris Reeve. It will never be Chris Reeve. Chris Reeve, that era is over. Anyone wants it back? It's not gonna happen. So right. there are people. who who I think new version and resent it, because Microsoft evolved. You know, I
1: almost want to go see Cavill in this just to support him, given all the awesome things he said in that I talked oh, about yeah. in the show last week, how well, he unapologetically, you know, he, he embraces yeah. the idea of making money and everything else. Yep.
0: Right? And, you know, it's, it's making a ton of money. You know, so the critics, it, it, it's, it is critic-proof. And look, there's been some, some really good reviews as well. Forbes magazine, uh, I think Variety and some other ones, very good reviews. But, okay. uh, like Man of Steel, they trashed Man of Steel, and that was absolutely undeserved. And I think it's the same thing happening here.
1: Okay. Well, thanks All for right. letting us have your perspective on this. And then I'm going to go ahead yep. and get a couple of good news stories here at the end, and, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot, Bosh. Um, so over at DontLetItGo.com, again, I've got two more links to talk about today. As I said, you can sift through a lot of the stuff about the allegations of Ted Cruz's alleged Affairs, As I understand, this is pretty much being dismissed by most people now. It was a short news cycle. Two things good that are coming up. One is the release of the book Equal is Unfair, America's Misguided Fight Against Income Inequality. And given what Obama just said in Argentina to that group of Argentinian youth about, oh, you know, just pick between... Capitalism and communism, whatever works, you know, there's no big difference. The argument in this book, Equal is Unfair, is much needed today. People need to understand this. People like Obama are trying to chip away at the moral difference between capitalism and communism and just say, hey, you know, don't you want to be nice to people and and give charity? And, again, there is a huge difference between initiating force against someone else in order to make them pay for so-called charity versus someone deciding to do it out of the fact that he decides he wants to help somebody and he can um, finally I have a link to an exciting story it might be within all of our budgets in the near future to fly faster than the speed of sound there is a startup called boom that is developing supersonic planes And this week it was announced that they have a partnership with Virgin, which almost guarantees that it's actually going to happen. So the fact that the was a failure is not dissuading this startup, they are going to put it within all of our reach to fly these very, very short flights all the way to Europe. Now, if we can just get a president who's going to make it safe to travel to Europe so that we'll take advantage of this and have a good time with it. That would be wonderful. So everyone, I'm out of time. Go to don'tletitgo.com if you want to check out all those program notes I mentioned. Continue the discussion. Leave me some comments. You can also find me on Facebook. You can follow my personal profile, or you can go to the Don't Let It Go on Herd page, and it's at Amy Piekoff on Twitter as well. Thank you to all of you who continue to support the show and contribute to the Better Coffee Fund. Drinking a little coffee right now throughout the show. I appreciate that. Have a good weekend. Happy Easter, everyone. I'll uh, talk to you next week. Take care.